Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Failed Podcast, a podcast where I delve into everything failing or just not doing something because of fearing to fail. So instead, you end up sitting in your sofa scrolling your phone, which is exactly what I've done too many times. So I decided to challenge myself and make a podcast about it because we all need to look our fears in the eye. And I am glaring at this microphone. And today I've got Doug Mackey, he's not Scottish, with me. He's an immigrant, but not Scottish, like me, although from the West Pond side. So I'm curious to know how the land of hope and dreams have treated him, especially in terms of failing. So hi, Doug, Dougie. Doug. Hello. Oh, and you've gone and done it right off the bat. How could I not? So, Dougie, <laughs> good name. Um, sounds like a two-year-old. Dougie, Dougie, or a dog. Anyway, how are you doing? See, well, uh, what people wonder why I don't like being called Dougie. <laughs> I am doing good. Um, how are you doing? Uh, great, great. Energized, ready for the world. Excellent, as usual. <laughs> As usual. Um, and when we say world these days, we obviously just mean our house. Um, mm. So, yeah. First, I want to ask you where you're from, Doug. Well, I am from a very small town called Salado, Texas, known for uh, antiques and boring the crap out of children. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't super keen on on like settling down there that wasn't like my long-term goal um and so yeah I got out of there pretty pretty quickly as soon as I could um and went off to Austin which is a bit bigger of a city um cool place and uh and then yeah made a huge leap coming across the pond and then uh because we met 17? 17, 16, yeah. 17. And so I had already been at the Finborough for what seemed like 20 years, but yes. was actually only two. Um, uh, which leads me to what do you do now? Are you still at the Finborough? No, no. I, um, I am now with Opera Holland Park. Um, we, it's an outdoor, well, you know, if you can't guess from the name, uh, opera festival that uh, goes on every uh, June, July, and sometimes into August a little bit. So we, we, of course, uh, had a bit of a holiday over the last year, didn't quite get to do our festival uh, in its entirety or at all. And uh, we are planning on coming back this year. So we've, we've put together all of our, um, our COVID safety protocols, um, everything's in place. And uh, I won't, I won't touch any wood close to the microphone to mess things up for the audio, but um, touch wood, everything keeps on track with the roadmap. And, um, and if it does, looks like we might be able to have our season after all. Talking about dreams, um, what is your dream, Doug? What do you want to do? I always struggled to kind of pinpoint what I felt like a dream job would be or a dream achievement would be or something. Um, and I think it's actually just finding a balance between work life and time outside of work. So it's a work life balance kind of thing. And it's something that I always thought like, oh, well, whatever, there's this whole like, love, love your work and you won't work a day in your life. And that, I think that's kind of nonsense in a way. For some people it works fine. But I found that trying to go and, and work on something that I really liked, uh, just made me not like the thing that I used to like because because I sort of just worked it to death um, and I don't think I have the kind of personality set for that necessarily so something like my current position for instance working in a theater environment but not on the part of theater that I really enjoy uh, which is you know creating the 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 magic of the on stage whatever but being close enough to that where I can experience it still is is really nice it's and at the end of the day six o'clock rolls around phone lines go off and I can I have I have a little process that I have I have my, my little notebook where I keep my notes 
And as soon as I hit six o'clock, I close it. You know, it sounds like a little thing, but that's like my symbolic. That's it. That notebook, when that's closed, I'm, I don't think about uh, about tickets. It's not that I've you know attained my dream, but I'm starting to feel. I'm starting to like visualize that as more of the goal that I want to go towards is um, is being able to say this is this is my work. I enjoy it, but it's not. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't define me as a person. I'd rather be. I'd rather define myself more by what I do after work, after I've closed the notebook, as it were. Not there yet, but that's sort of where I, where I'm looking towards going. Brilliant. Let's let's uh, let's move on to the more failing side of this podcast. So, uh, do you have an outrageous? failure uh, like a really funny one or uh, at the moment it probably wasn't funny at war it might have been <laughs> funny you might have been really like you know what i'm self-ironic i can laugh off this um oh just there were so many to choose from and i really had a tough time um going with with just one and i i've decided to go with the time i nearly got myself arrested um from from a directing project at, at university. So for my kind of senior capstone final project that I had to do, uh, I chose to direct a show and I wanted to have a small cast and, you know, really kind of push myself to get in and do uh, a lot of really detailed work with, with these actors. Um, so got my cast together. They were great. Uh, they really, you know, were, were receptive to, uh, to all, all the suggestions I had, they brought their own suggestions in. We just really gelled together. And as we were coming down to the, the wire and about to have our opening night, I had this brilliant idea to, um, to stage a scene in the quad on, the, on our campus as people were going in between classes. Because uh, for the most part, the, the schedule for everybody's classes would be kind of synced up on the hourly basis. So everybody would be moving at the same time. So I was like, okay. So, and I got to the point where I really trusted these, these guys with, uh, to make good decisions on things. So I was like, okay, I'll let you guys pick the scene you want to do. And, um, and we'll set it up at this place this time. Uh, we'll, we'll gather a small group together and we'll all come out and watch it. And, and uh, you can knock people's socks off and it'll make them all want to come in and see the show. So I leave them to it. I go off and do a couple of classes and then make my way over to the quad. And uh, yeah, I was, I was just kind of you know, nervously waiting. Oh, what are they gonna, what did they choose? Which scene? So the play was uh, Edward Albee's The Zoo Story, which um, if anybody hasn't seen it or read it, spoiler alert, somebody gets stabbed and dies. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, mm, well, you know, there's a few nice little dramatic scenes and surely they wouldn't pick the scene where they stab the guy, right? Um, so, so they get started, and and I'm like, oh, that's a good good place to start. So they go, and they're things are going well. A couple of people's heads are turning, and uh, and then at one point in this scene, one of the guys stands up on the on this bench and starts shouting for the police. And as we were getting closer to that part, I'm like, they're not gonna. They, surely they're not gonna just stand up and start shouting for the police in the middle of the crowded quad. Well, no, that's exactly what he did. He gets up on the, on the, on the bench and starts going, police, police. And I'm sitting here in the seat going, oh, oh my God. Uh, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And so, so I'm like, that's fine. That's moving right along. We didn't, nobody seemed to really come running or get freaked out. So that's, that's cool. So they keep going and there's, there's quite a bit to that scene before anything really crazy happens. Um, and we hadn't even sourced a knife for him to you know, pull out as a prop yet. So I was like, well, they don't even have the knife. They're not going to go that far. That's fine. And then, as I'm sure you might have figured out by now, of course, they went that far. And he pulls out this knife, which I've never seen before, and, and starts going and starts, you know, shouting and oh, blah, 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 whatever. And at that point, I was just like, okay, I, I, I've got to stop it because like, this is getting a bit out of hand. And there are all these people coming by and, 
you know, people giving weird looks. So I, I jump up and I'm like, oh, thank you both very much. Yes, everybody, uh, give a round of applause. We're gonna be here. Here's some flyers, you know, have fun. And um, the the actor, the knife wielding actor, looks up at me and is like, dude, what are you doing? I had this. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's too much, it's too far. So he, st he starts walking off. Um, and then the other actor walks off. They're both going in different directions. And I, I keep looking after uh, Justin who had the knife. And I see in front of him, a campus police officer turns the corner and starts making a beeline straight for him. And I was like, oh shit, I need to go and have a, a chat and kind of defuse this situation. So I cast a glance backwards towards uh, Matt, the other actor and uh, another police officer is coming from the other direction. <laughs> so I was like, oh God, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure Justin still has the knife, the fake knife. So I'll, I think that's probably a, a bigger fish to fry. So I, you know, hastily walk over to have a chat with the police uh, who were annoyed, but very understanding. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I said, oh, I'm really sorry, officer. You know, we we're just doing this for a show. Um, and he, he said, oh, that's fine. Just next time, let us know that you're doing something because we're getting all these calls from people who are freaked out. Someone shouting for the police. Somebody said there was a knife. So I'm just lucky they didn't come in like guns drawn or something. Um, yeah, I, I told that to my supervisor for the, for the project um, and he loved it. He <laughs> thought it was fantastic. Uh, I was, and I was worried. I was like, oh man, Terry, I, I, I'm so sorry. I got, I got the police called on us. I don't know. And he's like, that's great. It means people really believed it. <gasps> so I was like, okay. So it was good. It, it ended up all right, but I was really, uh, yeah, really, really terrified both in the moment and just like dreading having to go and tell, uh, tell my supervisor about that. We loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That how so it was a fake knife, right? Yes. It was in fact, you know, it was one of those like retractable oh, yeah. toy knife things. So like really it didn't look super real. It's just, you know, from a distance, you're walking yeah. by some dudes shouting for the police and then someone pulls out a knife. Yeah. I can see where the misunderstanding happens. Oh but <laughs> did you say uh, choose whatever you want and then you didn't know so I told them to choose whichever scene they wanted out of the whole show and I would say perhaps that's a bit of of my failing there in not specifying <laughs> that uh that they maybe shouldn't pick the scene where they shout for the police and pull out a knife but maybe um, that was obvious that <laughs> was something you just don't do but um or the other hindsight on that is maybe just calling the police you know it didn't it hadn't even occurred to me that that's something that I could have done until the police officer was saying it and I was like oh yeah yeah I probably should have done that like no matter what I probably should have let them know about this we were probably like violating some sort of a, a rule just doing that um, without some sort of a permit so I don't know um, I, it, it just never even crossed my mind at that point it was like 20 19 20 or something like that but is I it... was 19 or 20 I oh, should yeah. say it wasn't it was not 1920 I'm not I'm not that old right <laughs> is it illegal to carry a knife in America because I feel like isn't it it's pretty legal to have a, a weapon <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, well it's um you know I think it's actually less legal to carry a knife of a certain size than it is to carry uh, a weapon like a pistol or a um, assault rifles in in many states and it's different state mm. to state but like assault rifles and and long rifles as they call them um, those are those are like fine you don't even need a permit in in many places uh, to carry them around like you see these people who are going into like uh, well this is an god this is an old reference but like the chipotle guys walking into Chipotle with their guns strapped on it like you can't tell me I can't come in here it's open carry like okay as long as you're not endangering someone else oh wait <laughs> or threatening yeah um right we're gonna have to move on to more um 
Oh, actually, I forgot to ask you. I suppose I can bring this in now. It's there's no day, well, there's no minute like this minute. Just to get like a little bit of um, a general feeling of yours about failing. Yeah, my my long-standing, long-term relationship with failing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I feel like I've become a bit more comfortable with the concept of failing over the years. I don't know that I'd ever ca- uh, have characterized myself as a as a perfectionist, but I was definitely absolutely terrified of of failing at things. Um, and I know some people would probably be like, "Isn't that the same thing?" No, it's it's really not. I don't think. For, well, for example, I remember very distinctly when I was in second grade or just going into second grade. So I'm what, like seven years old, something like that. And, um, and I remember just being absolutely demolished on the first day because the teacher gave a summary of what we were going to learn for the year. And it's supposed to be like, oh, look how, look what you'll be able to do by the end. I took that to mean like, I don't know how to do any of that. Ah. Well, that's the point. But of course, for me, I was like, but I don't know how to write cursive. I don't know how to do this and that. And it just, it just like to the core destroyed me for a, like a, a solid day, at least. Um, and, and like, that's not the the point of of that summary that they were giving. They weren't trying to be like, you better know how to do this. It's it. And so I think over time, I started to realize that that's not the point of things. But yeah, as a, as a kid and like growing up, that was always what I was looking at is like flipping ahead to the end of whatever lesson or whatever course I was involved in and just being like, yeah, but I don't know how to do that. So I, get, I, I don't know if I should even try or something. And, and the, like, I, I don't know where that came from. It's not like it's not like my parents were hyper pressurized, you know, you better succeed, blah, 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 whatever. But it just was something that I sort of imposed on myself some, for some reason. And so, yeah, it was, I would say more of this fear of failing mm. and fear of like not knowing how to do something. And yeah, the, not making that connection between the learning process and that failing is a part of it. Yeah, I think certainly well come a long way since little seven-year-old uh freak out session about not knowing how to write cursive i wish i could go back and tell seven-year-old me hey uh you learn how to write cursive and then you just never use it so don't worry don't worry about that it could be just that moment though because it was so i mean the fact that you even remember it must have been a very overwhelming moment um yeah like your first realization of oh my god I need to learn all this stuff and how am I going to do it like it, it was probably just a huge moment and then you brought that mm-hmm. into the rest of your life so I probably wasn't your parents well but but that's the thing is like it it um I think having that experience of just feeling that ov- that overwhelming you know sensation and then going through that year and being at the end of it and saying, oh, look, I did I did learn how to kind of write cursive uh, and now I don't ever have to use it again. Um, and, and then the next time I got a summary of everything I was going to learn in the year, I'd have that moment of panic and then go, but okay, let's see how this plays out. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, even to this day, like, um, Getting, getting things ready for this season was a huge case of, of like looking at, I guess in some ways it was helpful that there was no precedent. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like there was this huge thing to look at and go, you know, that's where we need to end up. Mm-hmm. It was like, we don't have really anything to set this against. So just build it bit by bit. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was an overwhelming kind of task but then I was able to be like okay this is just like second grade just take a bre- take a deep breath and you'll be not writing cursive in no time oh so so does that mean uh do you can do you still feel that uh fear or failure or do you now always think about second grade 
Well, I mean, not specifically second grade, but actually, I mean, it does kind of come down to a, a pretty uh, straight to the point analogy of, I think, anxiety in an, in general. Um, and yeah, I, I, I definitely still get that feeling. Um, but it's, it is one of those things where now that I've had it come through the other end of it so many times, it's something that, you know, it's, I found my way to uh, just sort of acknowledge it and then sort of say, okay, but it's not, now's not the time to just completely freak out about it. Just have to kind of like see how it goes, like figuring out when it's okay to ask for help. I don't think asking for help is a failure. Right. But a lot of times people I, I get the feeling that a lot of times people feel like that is an, an admission of a failure. That's true. Um, and I certainly have felt that way before. It's like, if I have to ask somebody for help, then I have failed to do this thing. But in, in reality, that's not, you, you fail even worse if you don't ask for help and you, you know, and the project suffers for it. Yeah, so, exactly. So yeah, I had this project that I was working on. I, I was building a, a set and it ended up being this massive mammoth construction gig. Like I had done one project with the same company before and it was, it was a lot, but it was totally manageable. And I came up with all these little things and it was fun. And then the next project, they were like, okay, we're in this, we're in this park and the set is about four times larger, which is what they told me after the fact. Um, and so I'm like, well, I don't have a, I don't have a workspace. So where am I going to build the thing? I don't have people to help me build it. And this, this set is like, you know, 16 feet wide by, you know, 15 feet deep and these giant uh, 12 foot tall flats and all this stuff. And there's no way I was like, I can't build this all on site. So, you know, I had to ask for, uh, I had to ask my aunt if I could use her garage uh, to, as a workspace, which she was totally fine with and, and uh, helped me out with. And then I, I just went into this call center that I was temping at um, and was like, hey, does anybody have construction experience? Uh, is anybody willing to just come with me uh, to my aunt's garage and build a bunch of set pieces? And this one guy just kind of went over like, oh yeah, yeah, I've done a bit of uh, construction work and I've got a buddy that I could bring with me. I'm like, great. And yeah, this dude's friend ended up being one of my closest uh, like work buddies on building projects and stuff for a couple of years even. So, so yeah, and all the while, all leading up to that, I was just dreading asking for any help on, on those, on those things because I felt like, you know, well, I said I could do this and and so if I'm roping other people into it, it's not me doing it. I'm, you know, I have to ask for help. So that was kind of one of the, another semi big fail, I guess, but it, it ended out okay. Yeah. Oh, that, that's wonderful. The fact that you got a friend from it. <laughs> yeah. Friend and a colleague and a, yeah, a business partner. Uh, <laughs> excellent. We are going to move on now um, to the serious failure. So something that might be quite serious but you've overcome it and you now look at it as a sort of success or like you learned something from it or you got something from it so this this uh example kind of ties in with a couple of the the last bits that i was talking about in terms of you know knowing when to um ask for help and all this but also knowing when i guess to stand up for yourself and i again had a project same company, I won't say which one, and it wasn't here in, in London. And the designer had put together this idea that they wanted these, we, we ended up calling them Doritos because uh, they were these triangle shaped flats that were going to be suspended above the stage and they needed to be able to rotate and turn on like the X and Y axis which is all very difficult to do when you have a budget of like less than a thousand dollars and you have all this other set stuff that you need to build. 
so my buddy that I met from from the last thing, we get together. He's he'd done some welding, so he was like, "The only way you're going to get this thing to work is if we make it out of metal, um, because wood's going to be way too heavy." Blah blah blah. So we weld these things together, get it all set up, we put it up there. And uh, so when the set designer had put together a model box, he was like, "Look, it's really easy. You just you can pull one string and do that." And that's all well and good when it's, you know, a bunch of toothpicks and stuff. <laughs> but when it's steel and and these the ropes, the tie points and the safety cable, it just the physics isn't the same as a few toothpicks and some dental floss or whatever the hell he was using. And so, you know, I we got everything put together. We were actually ahead of schedule on stuff, which I was really happy about. And then he starts going like, um, yes, well, they're not they're not moving quite the way they're supposed to. Which, by the way, they were, they were like doing 99% of what they were supposed to do, really. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, yeah, yeah it's, it's mainly because of the safety cable, which needs to be there because you have like this 30 pound bit of steel dangling over some people's heads. Like I'm not changing that part of it, but it, it changes the way that they rotate. So they have to rotate this way and then come back around. He's like, no, but, but in my model, it didn't work that way. I'm like, yeah, but that was toothpicks. This is steel and stuff. And we, we, we'd go back and forth on that a bit. And, um, and he's like, well, whatever, just make it work. So I, I spent so much time trying to fix that, trying to change it and do all this stuff. None of, none of which, you know, I was on a flat rate fee. So I wasn't being paid extra to go in there and fix this stupid thing that I knew would never work. And, um, and so finally one night I was just so frustrated. I'm up there with, with, uh, with my buddy and we're just absolutely trash talking this guy. We're just like, Oh, this guy and this, you know, fuck these Doritos and this stupid thing. Like, there's no way it's going to work. It's so like ridiculous. Take a physics class, you idiot, blah, 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 all this stuff. Then we realize that the uh, that the overhead system and the the backstage monitors are on, and he's sitting in the break room with the director. <laughs> so here I am, just like totally slagging him off, and just being like, "Ah, oh, this stupid shit," blah 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 blah, blah all this. And then I find out that he's you know there and has heard everything, and I was just like, that for a second I was just petrified and then I was like well hang on no screw that I meant every word that I said in there and so he came out it was one of those things where we both knew it was like this weird awkward situation but I just I decided no I'm not gonna like grovel and be like oh I'm so sorry blah 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 because I meant it like and and he goes okay you know what I'll take a look at it I'll I'll stick around and I'll mess with it and so I was like okay cool I'm going home. So I come back the next day and he, uh, he was like, yeah, I, I, I worked on it for like four hours. It doesn't, it doesn't work. You're right. Um, and he was like, but okay. So I came up with a little bit of a solution that kind of does a bit more of what I'm wanting. So he, he made a couple of small changes and was finally happy with it. But you know, what that taught me, I think is that if I had been a bit more brutally honest, I, I mean, I'm not saying that I should go and like, you know, yell at him to his face and all this, but if I'd have stood up a bit more and just been like, look, I could stay here and do this for hours and it's not gonna change the fact. And if you wanna make a, ch a change on it, you're going to need to come in and work it through with me or put in the time yourself to come up with a, a solution to, for us to come up with a solution together. Um, because that's really the only way that we can get to a compromise. So, so yeah, it, it was an accidental, <laughs> it was me accidentally standing up for myself in a way, maybe not in the most productive, uh, way, to, way to do things, but, but it, it did teach me, um, the value of being able to kind of the value of saying no, of, of saying like, this isn't going to work no matter how much time I throw at it. It's definitely something that I've had to bring up from my tool chest a few times, uh, especially in venue management. 
you go back to the so it, earlier it was the the second grade but now it's the dorito incident yes and you i i joked with lorena that i was going to get the doritos tattooed onto my arm as a reminder of that experience you should i mean you should because it had a a, a proper lasting effect um yeah. You... I'm not sure what I would get for the seventh grade thing. Uh, like maybe some cursive. On yeah, that, yeah, but... yeah, yeah. To be strong or um, try hard or <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Try hard, then try hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. <laughs> Let's go to the improv. <laughs> Exciting, exciting. So, Dougie boy, what? <laughs> how do you like improv? Uh, it's, it's all right. I wouldn't say that I'm... Uh, I, I much prefer watching it than, than uh, participating in it, but, but um, just for you, I'll, I'll allow it. Oh, I'm, I'm very touched. Um, we are doing improv because improv is about doing it. Um, not that doing <laughs> well. it. <laughs> sometimes i guess you know there's different scenes you can there's things can happen various various ratings <laughs> God. It, uh, um anyway um <laughs> and i was very scared of doing improv because i was scared of failing and then when i did it i realized it is it is all about failing and having fun with whatever comes out of your uh, your mouth um and it's actually super fun <laughs> <laughs> What? I didn't say anything. <clears throat> right? And uh, mm -hmm. it, it's always super funny when you fail. I've said this before, but Middle Ditch and Schwartz uh, on Netflix is a perfect example of when failing in improv is funny. Very funny. Very funny. Um, anyway, so in that way, failing suddenly equals succeeding. Woo, woo, woo. Um... Excellent. So we're going to first start with the first warm-up, which is eight things. So, Doug, um, so the first eight things you are going to do is things you can do on Excel. Oh, <laughs> has this by any chance been uh, been selected? I've, I've been, I tailor my podcast. <laughs> um, okay. So just as quickly as you can. And a one, two, three, four. Uh, okay, databases, um, filters, sorting, uh, formulas. Oh God, halfway through, I've, I feel like I've already, uh, uh, drag and drop stuff, statistics. <laughs> um, oh God, just two more. Uh, listing things sure why not and address books there we go yeah eight things um everyone learned a lot now i'm sure i didn't know you could do all those things i was just being like multiply subtract <laughs> well you can you can do all of those with formulas Exact. oh exactly that's the see that's why you the excel master <laughs> well done and now it is eight epic fails. Um, and go. Right. Um, the Hindenburg. I don't get much epic, much more epic than that. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Epic fail. Shorts and sandals with socks. A little controversial there. I know some people are probably going to disagree with me on that one, but not a lot. Uh, dropping your phone in the toilet, starting counting with your thumb. Isn't I that... think that's that's a pretty weird one. Oh God! Uh, installing your power button on your computer in the wrong way. Uh, let's see. Having the front wheel of your bike bend and throw you off the front of it. And oh, I feel like I need a good one for the last one sending out an email to your entire company with a really glaring spelling mistake. Epic, eight things, well yeah. done. And as a bonus epic to that last oh. one, 
when the misspelt word is your name. <laughs> you know what? There's a surprising amount of time people do that. Yeah, I I get into a once I get to the last part of the email, I'm just like, you know, typing it out really fast. And the amount of times I've just gotten to the habit of just checking it every time because I'll I'll hit um, the F instead of the G. So I'm like, you know, kind regards, doif. <laughs> I'm like, no. Oh, and that's the other thing is I I'll, I'll hit the um, the I instead of the O or the U. So it's like all this weird stuff that's one letter shifted over. So I'm like, doif. Hmm. <laughs> no, not quite. Oh, actually, on that note, one fail is not my name, but one fail I always fear I'll do, and I wish actually I did it, is when you say all the best, Stina, and then I write, well, I've done it, but I've managed to change it, which is all the beat. And I can just imagine people going like, all the beats. Like they start singing to themselves. Oh, I wish, wish I'd said that actually a few times. I I catch myself saying King Regards quite a few times, which would be pretty confusing too. King Regards. (laughs) Doif. That would be so amazing. Like what would that even mean? I don't know. I would just assume you were a king and they would be like, oh, here is majesty. His Royal Highness King Doif. Oh, that is an epic fail. That just is so epic. It's not a fail at all. Um, excellent. We're going to move on to the next warm up, which is questions only. Uh, and we are going to be refurbishing a theatre. Oh, well, that sounds vaguely familiar. Might have done that before. Yeah, let's do it. So I'll start uh, and question you. You question me and we stop after three attempts because that's usually how how long it takes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, Doug, could you please give me the spatula? Why do you want a spatula? Why don't I need a spatula? I mean, don't you think you should use the scraper, the proper scraper? How do I use that one? How do you not know how to use a proper scraper? And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel feel like that was a bad, that was a, that was a poorly done one on my part. It was just like going into a non-answerable question. Well, (laughs) that's the thing with it. It's, it's such a, it's not a great game. I suppose it is a great game if you're good at it, but it's just it's so it's just so stressful. Um, we're we're gonna try again and see how how it goes. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. So you start, and we'll get get this refurbishment done. Stina, which wall do you want to start working on? It's the right one. Okay. Why not start with the middle wall? Doesn't that have a massive hole in it? Could you patch up the hole? How do I do that? Oh, uh, no, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I got to tap that was, out. That was good, though. I think the questions that we had were quite perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going good. Yeah. That means we're going upwards. Uh, this yes, means making numbers. progress. Yeah. Uh, what is this? The ninth, the ninth podcast, which means I should have some kind of progress soon. <laughs> um, also, I've done this improv game a few times before doing that podcast, but you know <laughs> we can always go up. Uh, apparently, not in this case. Um, we, we are going to move on to the main prof, which is R W Y which is the new name, which is Remember When You. <laughs> so um, I will be um, interviewing Doug here. Um, we are in this beautiful studio. Um, we have lots of fruits in front of us that we will not be eating because you never see people eat the fruit that is on a table in a studio. <laughs> so we will be chatting instead. And Doug has lived a long life. Uh, he's 99 years old now about to outlive um, Prince Philip. Oh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it had to go in there. Um, 
topical oh, this sound awful <laughs> um god bless the queen what, what do i say she's still alive anyway um we are gonna hear about doug's past failures and successes and i'm just so excited to hear everything he's he's been through um all the weird things the amazing things and the sad things but usually i've heard that he comes out of it with great success so doug do you remember that time covid was over it was time to go on holiday and you'd packed all your stuff like you've been you've been actually awake the last two three uh, days because you were just packing you were so excited to get everything and to get to the airport it takes forever because london traffic all that jazz so you probably spent around four or five hours getting to the airport and you get there and you're just like yeah i got my passport everything is ready and then you're on the wrong day so the plane is leaving tomorrow um yeah that was a bit sad so you were really excited you had to go all the way home again and at least you didn't have to unpack i suppose or did i have to go back home because i think you'll find that i actually just stayed in the airport and had a grand old time going to all of the airport shops. Of course, I didn't buy anything because why would you do that? But I did get one of those little neck pillows, uh, paid about 30 pounds for that. That was my only my only expense because that's all the money I brought with me. Um, but I had a really nice time just staying in the in the in the terminal um, that that night and just really turned into a, a grand slumber party. Uh, with the other passengers who had also arrived a day early. <laughs> well, wasn't really a fail, was it, at all? <laughs> oh, I mean, it was a massive fail. I, I, I didn't have any money when I got to the, 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 the resort I was going to be staying in because um, I spent it all on that damn neck pillow. But those thirty pounds was all you had. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, I had more fun in the terminal at Heathrow than I did uh on my actual vacation wow um I'm sorry to hear that I mean in the end <laughs> after Covid everything is a holiday isn't it as long as you step out of your house yeah yeah I was celebrating by just licking all of the armrests on the <laughs> on the uh terminal <laughs> waiting rooms I mean if you're gonna lick anything I think maybe in an airport where there's so many different people probably still wouldn't be the place I would lick anything but I mean, you oh, do. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I live to be 100. True, like, true. You did. You know. I mean, you're still going. So, yeah. Um, Can't be that bad. No, no, no. So there you go, kids. Lick every surface. <laughs> um, excellent. Well, let, let me, let me, uh, well, let us talk a little bit about that time. You went shopping. You bought a hat. It was. It was after the holiday and it was after a bit of a, you've been earning a lot of money. So you bought this hat. It was really, really expensive. <laughs> and you put it on and you were like, yeah, man, yeehaw. I'm finally a cowboy again. My Texas roots. Um, and it had these things dangling down from the, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Have you seen, have you seen a, a cowboy hat? Like what they really look like? Because <laughs> I don't feel like that. But okay. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember uh, this, you, yeah. this bedazzled, strange, fringy it, hat. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then put it on. You have a little bit of a dance around with your cowboy boots as well, uh, with that little heel thing. And then a bird doesn't poo on it because you could just wash that off. Right. But the bird really likes the hat, so he takes it. It's actually a hawk. So he takes the hat and flies off. Oh, that bastard. Yeah. I um, it was really really a tough day uh, there for a while. It was touch and go. But then I had the bright idea to take the, the spurs off of one of my boots. And I just flung that right up. Didn't, I didn't hurt the bird, really. Okay. Not, not too bad. Oh, but I did manage to knock the hat out of his, uh, out of his talons. Um, and he, he tried to go back for it. But I'd already, I'd already snatched it up. And uh, in that struggle for the hat, we bonded, and um, and he became my pet falcon. Actually, that is that is just your aim uh, must be perfect. Oh, with spurs, I am a dead eye. 
Wow, fantastic. Well, actually, that reminds me. Didn't you go to the Olympic once? Um, and you were... In, in spur throwing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, well, the thing is that you went there for spur throwing, right? Uh, and this was in Tokyo when that finally happened. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then you actually forgot your spurs and they were one of a, one of a kind, so... That's so embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately... I had trained my pet falcon, Falco, to to retrieve things. Unfortunately, we were in Tokyo and my spurs were were back in London. So that is uh, that's how I lost Falco. He tried, bless him, he was just so loyal. He tried to fly all the way back to London to get my spurs, and he just he he just couldn't quite make the journey. Bless him. How is this success? Oh, it's not. This was a terrible failure. It was a really harrowing experience. I can't believe you brought it up. I shocked, shocked to my core. No, the worst, the, the, the sort of worst thing about it and sort of, I guess, best is that I then found out that they have spare spurs uh, that you can just use. It just wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. I did get the, I did get the silver medal that year. Oh, okay. but but you know, probably would have gotten gold if I weren't mourning the loss of my uh, beloved pet falcon, and if I had access to my own special spurs, not the spare spurs. No, spare spurs. They were they were too springy. The oh, spare spurs. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, we, um, I have one last thing um, that I heard you went through, and it was you you got an assignment to make a set but the set was too big um, and quite a lot of time and a lot of hands and you didn't have time nor hands enough to do this. Um, do you remember that? What, what happened? What did you do? Um, yeah, well, I, I, of course, triumphantly asked a room full of strangers uh, whether they wanted to come and help me build a giant set in my aunt's garage. And I just had to hope that they didn't think I was trying to lure them there to murder them. Uh, and in the end, we all lived happily ever after with a gigantic set in the middle of, um, of Zilker Park in Austin, Texas. Oh, everything that you can do with a little bit of help. Truly amazing, Doug. Um, well done for, um, for uh, having such a beautiful life with lots of good stories and lots of wins and success successes and a bit of losses as well rest in peace yeah, poor, falco. poor falco but with a little bit of um courage to ask for help there's nothing we can't do excellent we're going to move on to the last improv which is the competition nope. so yeah you are going to talk for as long as you can about whiskey Ooh. yeah and you cannot say the word make and the word and. And hmm. I will try and stop you as soon as I hear either of those words, but I've proven to fail before. So hopefully I don't do that again because I'll ruin the whole competition. Um, yeah, are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Let's make it happen <laughs> and have fun. <laughs> Perfect. And go. So... For whiskey, I guess the main question is, are we talking about single malts or blended whiskey? I happen to like either option. I think that if I had a choice, obviously, a single malt is, uh, is much, much more flavorful. Um, but the blended whiskeys are are way more affordable uh usually unless you're getting something like a johnny walker blue label or something like that uh i am a fan of peated whiskeys i like the the strong flavor it's not for everybody but it is a very enjoyable experience i've had a couple of cases where somebody has tried to 
um, enjoy some whiskey with me and they, oh no, I did it. Ah, that was it. <gasps> oh my God. See, there you go. Missed it. Missed it. Missed it. What? I shouldn't have this podcast. I definitely shouldn't have this. <laughs> I should have this podcast because it's about failing. Um, but wow. <laughs> Good. Anyway, well done. Well, that's amazing. Wow. I can say that you are in first place. Yeah. Yeah. With one minute, nine seconds and 46 thousand seconds or whatever you call it, milliseconds. Oh, yeah. That is excellent. So well, 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 well done, Doug. Um, Thank you. With the with the with all of the impro as well, um, you d- you did very well. Excellent stuff. Did you find it stressful? Uh, actually, less less stressful than I thought it would. I used to do a fair amount of improv with my friends in university, so yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily a stranger to it, but it has been a, a long time. Um, but I guess it's kind of like riding a bicycle, mm-hmm. sort of get get back into the groove of things. Just got to get the confidence there, and then you. Ride like no tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got the last question for you, which mm. is if failing is succeeding because you're learning from it, what's your next failure? Oh, well, uh, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that this, this upcoming season <laughs> is a f- as little of a failure as possible. Um, but at the same time, I know that there will be lots of uh, little failures along the way, learning experiences and, and yeah, challenges to overcome in the, the Opera Holland Park 2021 season. Is that all right to like plug things? I'm not, I'm not necessarily <laughs> plugging things. It's just, it's, it's something that's really heavy on my mind at the moment. It's your job as well. Jesus. Like if someone was like, yeah. oh, I'm working on this building project, I'm making this house. It's not like... Not, not plugging the house. No. <laughs> Number 41, Pleasantwood Street. Yeah. <laughs> also, that's not necessary information, isn't it, where the house is? Also, it's likely someone else's house, so you shouldn't be giving out that details. But this is like, this is yeah. a place where people can enjoy stuff. Um, excellent. So thank you so much for joining me today, Doug. It's been lovely. Well, thank you for having me. always always a pleasure (laughs) Um, next time we might even have some whiskey Uh, we should have had that today um forgot that would have been an entirely different podcast um (laughs) with more failures but that's what we're here for um excellent so everyone thank you so much for listening it's it's just it's amazing to have this podcast to to chat and have people listen to me blabber on um again i'm not really doing it for anyone else well i suppose i am as well because people can learn from other failures can't they uh but i am learning a lot from doing this anyway which means failing is part of life and it can lead us down new pathways and usually it teaches us a few things on the way like literally learning to stand up for yourself and saying no with love me and the microphone have fun failing